Yeah, yeah. New location. You like to set up? I'm just saying. <laughs> Every time. You know, I need the light you got. Or is that natural? That's your natural light. No, this is a ring light. Man, my ring ain't even popping like that. was that so special about you? I mean, last week I had a little issue, you know, lighting the sunset on me. Yeah. So I had to come back <laughs> week. The sun was like, yeah. and so now we see. I got it. I got it. I'm ready. Well, we right now we want to welcome everybody to a baby radio episode eight. Big eights going up. I go by the name of Brian Kurt White. That's Brian like Kobe, Kurt like Frank and White like the color. I don't know if I told y'all in the past week or two, but just a reminder. And our co host, I am the Ayat Solomon. Y'all like that? Y'all like that tagline? I'm really trying to get like Brian, but um, we got to talk see. about this another day. I have a discussion think, about names that I don't care for them. I think, well, I, well, as far as caring about them, I think the D is very important because a lot of people, you know how I believe by name. So we opposite yes. on that. We have that thing. But D, I got Solomon. Yeah. I think that D is powerful because a lot of people don't embrace themselves, including me at times. So that's dope. How are you? I'm good. I can't complain. I've been very productive. Uh, what I mentioned earlier with with Tony just uh, getting back into the swing of things. So I think probably like the last two weeks, I've been pretty, I've had something to do every day. Today and yesterday, I had something to do all day. So um, getting back into that swing while also remembering social distancing and trying to remember how to talk to people and and like going back to work more as far as face-to-face stuff, meetings yeah. and recordings. Um, Getting back and swinging things with that, but I, I think it, what was valuable is the idea that I don't have to lose what I learned during quarantine. Not saying mm-hmm. quarantine is over, but in those days and weeks where like I didn't leave the house at all, those so isolation maybe, moments. Yeah, the isolation moments. I think I want to sit down and rewrite, like write down, you know, what I really learned and take that with me before I just dive back into the day to day, all day schedule. I think I'm struggling because. Being off usually means completely off for me, like being at home, all that stuff. So having to work through being at home, and now mm-hmm. it's summertime, and I still am in school, and it just yeah. it's, it's overwhelming. Like I can't have a day where I just lounge around all day because whatever was supposed to get done is going to carry over. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's. I ain't gonna say it's different, but um, long as we're good, long as we're okay. You know what I mean? Those were okay. I think we continue to move forward, continue to go upward. It's a lot, a lot of things that we're transitioning to with a baby. So for all our listeners, everybody checking us out, stay tuned for that. We're working hard behind the scenes to deliver some great things you know, to the world. Um, but we're here today, uh, episode eight, to start a new series. New series. The first series, really. It is. It's our first series. For Baby Radio, and it's it's based on trauma. What we'll be doing for multiple episodes is dissecting trauma's unannounced effects on our lives. All right, so we're going to be taking certain topics, uh, certain ideas, certain things that we, um, that we deem a part of us now in our present and look back at the things that affected us in the past. Yeah, why we do what we do how trauma, like, you think you're this upstanding person and you came up with this idea from nowhere, but 
some trauma influenced that decision or that person that you became. So I'm excited to some start the series. Yeah, I, I've had conversations with many people. I'm like an advocate for trauma. I'm like, I usually pull up people. I probably got it from my mama where I'm like walking up to you like, oh, you've been, something in your, been through something in your life. Like, what have you been through? Like, so you're not an advocate of, of trauma. You're an advocate of addressing trauma. Okay, well, let's take it that way. Let's take it that way. I'm definitely an advocate of addressing trauma. But I, I also think I got something in me where it's like, nah, bro, you've been through trauma. Like, turn up, right? Talk about it. Bam, bam, bam. And that's just to start the series off. That's not the case for everybody. Yeah. It's not the case for everybody. So real quick, I gotta I wanna break this down because as we go forward, you know, we're gonna get real scientific. Shout out to Manalas. We wanna make sure we got all our science right where we give you because you know we believe we're the source and we hope you get everything you need from us. So trauma by definition is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. So again, we're talking about something that's distressing. Uh, or disturbing, that means that it's out of the norm. It's something that, that shook you, and that can be classified as trauma, whether small or large. Hey, so what I was, I was going to piggyback. I feel like, I don't know if that's what you were trying to say. I do feel like everybody has trauma. Okay. I, I think that's the case for every human being. Why do you feel that way? Because trauma to a, this it sounds like real out there, but like when you watch 13 Reasons Why, those kids went through trauma that on a minimal level, so what kids don't like you? It's not that serious. That's that's what you would say to you, but that, that was traumatic to someone. So yeah. I feel like everyone, no matter what life they live, what type of um, demographic they're around, no matter if you live the perfect, there's something that it might be minimal compared to someone else's trauma, but there's something in your life, something in your childhood that happened to you, that molded you, that was, repeat that definition, Let's see, it's a distressing or disturbing. So, so a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. Yeah, disturbing and distressing. I feel like everybody has went through it. Now, I think there's people who have had repeated traumas, like that wound keep, you know? But I feel yeah. like every human being has been through a stressing, distressing situation that influenced their, the rest of their decisions. Okay. I like that. I've always believed that. Um, I've encountered multiple people where they're like, you know, I ain't really got nothing that's affecting me. And I always kind of egg them on to where it's like, you know, something, tell me something, but I've come to a lot of dead ends. So at one point in my brain, it's it's connected with the idea that some people don't look back at yeah. certain things and it's not disturbing or distressing to them. So how do you, I mean, what's your opinion on, like why are certain things at whatever age disturbing or distressing? What makes it different right. from other Society makes certain things bad. I think for a very long time, being molested, like, again, this is extreme, being molested ain't as bad as being raped. So a lot of people didn't talk about that type of devastation because it was just like, it was just touching. You know what I'm saying? It's like the society cap on what's what's trauma, what's mm -hmm. devastating. And then also looking at the, less, the next person plate and saying they got it worse. But there's no way. No parent has been perfect. I'm going to put it that way. True. Um, so even in the way that they've raised you may have devastated you or it exposed you to some sort of trauma. It distressed you in some way. Some way. Even, you even, even the, the need to be perfect because you saw your parents as perfect because they showed you perfection. Now, you, you know, like there's no way. Yeah. So we like we don't have to go back on this, but there's no way that there's nothing in your years of living that has mm -hmm. not touched you. 
I think at the base of this series, what we want, what I what I definitely want people to take from it, you can let us know what you want people to take from it, is the idea that everything that happened in our lives before now plays a part, whether we know it or not, in who we are today, what we want to do, and the decisions that we make. I yes. think that's the that's the base of it. The next step, if some people believe they've been traumatized in ways or believe that they haven't, I think this talk is going to open up the conversation of, you know, what a normal life looks like versus what a life looks like that goes left and right a little bit. And then also we might dive into some lives that have always been left or always been right and never was was centered to what society says is is not distressed or disturbing. I definitely agree. And I, I, I want the same thing for everybody within the series, but it's not even about coming to a equilibrium of a trauma free life. It's there's no way like there's no way as human beings that we're able to hit that, you know, equal. It's just being able to call out why you do what you do. Like knowing that sometimes when I'm mad at Bryant is not really about Bryant. When I'm mad at my significant other for doing the small thing, it's really not about that. It could be because I can recognize because of trauma, this is what mm-hmm. I'm really addressing. So that's really what I want y'all to, to get out of this, knowing that your reactions, your behavior, your motivation, all of that comes from trauma in some way. Especially, especially the things that are disturbing you or that you get defensive about or that you, um, you know, try to shine out on others. So, Again, we stand for self-awareness, and a lot of the times, even when a baby was created, a lot of the times our goal is to shake the table. When we say shake the table, that means shake you. So you can look in the mirror and say, um, who am I really? Have that introspective journey and say, what have I been through? I'm not perfect. And what are the reasons why I'm not? And what can I be doing to step forward and become a better person and live a life of fulfillment? For sure. And then, like, I'm excited because today... Mm-hmm. We're diving into your love story starts with trauma. You know, it started with trauma. That yeah, not, it did not start with Disney. It does it not Cinderella ain't started. Look, give your give your Disney channel theory because I think it might have been like 2000 sometime in college where that like just hit down on me where you just broke down like, you know, go as far as Disney Channel love. You were a young age saying, you know what? I feel like Disney Channel love or just like the Disney fantasy of love is so, here here I go. And Menard's in the vicinity. It's toxic. (laughs) It's toxic in the way that it feeds you this fairy tale um, and brushes over like the traumatic things. Like it brushes over it. And then also I'm very... I don't like, you know, I don't like the F word, but I'm very much pro women. And it just puts you in a position like as a woman, this is your goal in life. This is the end. Like this, you've made it. You've hit the jackpot. And then being from Sudan, listen, if you're not married with kids by the age of 23, 24, oh, you stale. Got to go. Got to find another one. Like, so Disney is just too much to unpack with Disney, especially relationship wise. Way too much. So how how does that Disney Channel perception align or assist in that when you talk about society, like society creating some type of norm or or construct? How does that fit into that? I think Disney, like it, it creates a tolerance for a certain type of relationship. Mm. It, 
it creates like it has the life is great. Something bad happens. Happy ending. Like life is great. Something bad yeah. happens. Happy ending. Like it all like it just has this very Ariel was having a great time. Left back. Cinderella. It's all I think it brushes over the things that could truly be life lessons mm-hmm. and hones in on find a man, find a significant other, live happily ever after. Once upon a time, happily ever after. Like those things, everything in between is brushed over. Yeah, I like that term life lessons. Because you're saying them skipping over that is brushing over it. It's like these characters are born perfect, right? They're born where like, you know, nothing's really wrong with me. I just need to move forward in the storyline. And I'm going to end up in, you know, in happiness. Yeah. But it, I'm not saying it's Disney's job to do that, but for people who take it and apply it to real life, they're skipping over the idea of taking these lessons that I'm going through and saying, okay, what do I need to do better? What do I need to change? Um, what can I work on with myself? I'm trying to think of an example, like, like for, even we, go ahead. go ahead. No, for me, like Cinderella is the ultimate. I think my, we, me and you talked about this. My toxic trait is being a runner. Like if something bad happened, whoo, get out of here, abort mission. But Cinderella literally, like you got your stepmama treating you like shit. Mm-hmm. The solution is find a man and get out. Like there's never been an addressing of the bad treatment. There's yep. never been addressing of the abandonment. There's never been addressing of the traumatic being a housework or a slave. None of that has been addressed. The solution was girl, find you a man and run out. Yeah, because my thing was, okay, he went and had to find her. But what happens, like, okay, we're together now, but as soon as the wedding pop or a kid pop or, you know, they feel like they live a happy ever after, and next thing, you know, she ran out of here. Like, just run out. Just run out. Yeah. Something yeah, bad happens, find another one. Like, there was no dealing with the issue at hand. And yeah, she did it before with a very small reason. What was her reason was, like, she got nervous? Like, she just got, like... When? When she left? Yeah, she was at the ball. She was the flyer. She turned back into a, a slave, or I don't mean slave, but she turned back into a pumpkin and whatever at midnight. So even her happiness had a limit. That's even deeper, though. So that's yeah. even deeper. Her fairy godmother did her little thing and was like, girl, you got to get back at midnight, back to reality. So the fairy godmother, I got another, I got, I'm going to get in that, but let me see. The fairy godmother. Mm hmm. I don't even go to that shit. The fairy godmother kind of plays a part that's metaphorical to everybody's lives because it's a reminder of who you think you're not. Yeah, and and in the movie, they use her as a positive. Mm -hmm. Like this, this is not a Disney Disney bash, you know, show at all. But in the in the movie, they use her as this positive thing. Like everyone needs a fairy godmother. But what did you do? Re- what did you really do for me to get me? You know what I'm saying? Like out of this situation. Yeah. So I, you've had the ability to turn this pumpkin into a carriage, but I've been mistreated for 18 years. Like even that idea that you know, like yeah. it, it romances trauma to me. Mm-hmm. What happens again? Given this episode's topic, if you had a horrible, by definition, by societal standards, if you have horrible life and you meet somebody perfect and they put you in a position that, you know, puts you away from a lot of the horrible things, that yeah. still doesn't feel 
how the horrible things it didn't heal. Uh, that's, that's what it was. There was no addressing of issues. There was no head-on addressing of anything. It was like yeah. masking it with glitter. So your love story did not start with Disney. No, your love story your love did not start story. from that at all. Your love story started with trauma. And before we bring our guests, I wanna um I'm gonna try every episode of the series to bring in some lyrics from a song. So the last song our DJ played before this episode started uh, was from a song by Kiana Lede, um, who I believe in my household has one of the best R&B albums of the year, top two. It goes back and forth, one and two, uh, between her and Division. But she has a song in there called Protection. Mm -hmm. And the pre-chorus is, I be dramatic. Life is traumatic. I'm in the valley and it's in the nighttime. I'm minding my business. Minding my business, and all of a sudden, out the blue, my daddy issues be coming from nothing. And it's sad that you want to grab me, and I wouldn't let you. I shouldn't attack you because you want to help me because you know all about me, and I know that you got me. I know that we solid. Self aware. That is a self aware female. That pre-chorus like hit like the whole spectrum. We talking about she started off. I'll be dramatic because life is dramatic yeah. at the gate. Like I've been through some things. And I be and then chilling. To the middle, yeah. What then? I write that. Yeah, I be chilling. I'm in the valleys, nighttime. I'm minding my business, right? But then she recognizes, you know, there is something that's gonna trigger me because all of a sudden, my daddy issues be coming from nothing. And that's the thing. I think. I you don't know what triggers you. Like you just chilling. I'm in the valley and that's, I'm in a nice place. I done made it. I'm having a good old time. And out of nowhere, boom, I'm in my field. I know what daddy issues. She dove into the next line. You know, as far as I stand on domestic violence, her next line is it's, it's sad that you want to grab me. Before that, my daddy issues be coming from nothing. And it's sad that you want to grab me. So in that moment, she's 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 connecting the fact that her problems are what's leading to him having some type of a reaction to wanting to grab. I give him that. She knows that it's she, like I was saying earlier. I know I'm arguing with you about this, but I know it's bigger than what we're arguing about. Yeah, definitely. And and following that, and I wouldn't let you. So even in that, like, I know you're getting riled up because of my issues, but I also shouldn't attack you. Yeah. So it flips literally these last three lines, like, life is traumatic, mind of my business, then all of a sudden my daddy issues come from nothing, you get agitated, and then I've, I should even be the person to allow you to get agitated because now I'm attacking you. But I also realize that you want to help me. But we'll get to that, you know, later. But you want to help me. Cause you know all about me. I know that you got me. I know that we solid. And that's the pre-chorus um, on the song called Protection on her new album, Kiki. And it doesn't have the answers. I think a lot of times we look for, we feel like no one can speak until they got the answers. Sis don't have the answers. Sis literally was like bouncing. I, I don't even know how to solve this. I know what it is. I can call it out. Like we talked about last episode, calling it out is great. Mm -hmm. You can sit in that. Congratulate yourself. Yep. And she spoke on it. She still don't have the answers. Yeah, I, I think that's, I think even that's a great album as we, we transitioned last episode from top to now, looking at trauma, 
that that creates a love story that we're a part of in our, our present and even a love story that we want to be a part of in our future. And so right now, um, bringing on our guest for the day, when it comes to love stories, uh, we're going to dive into his life. We're going to dive into just his his truth and see what's going on. You want to introduce him? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, this next person is a very close friend of mine who I just feel like his life experiences and his successes all stem from childhood. And I feel like a lot of times we talk about these things. We talk about, you know, where we come from, what motivates us. And we we acknowledge where we come from. But sometimes you got to go a little bit deeper. And, you know, is it trauma? Like, what is it? But this person is a great individual, very vocal, well, very transparent. So that's why we're really excited to have him on the show. So we could dive in deeper into this. Absolutely. So now we want to welcome Mr. Steven. Yeah. What's going on, guys? How are y'all doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. You know, it's a it's a great Wednesday here in Austin, Texas. You know, awesome. I'm I'm more I'm very happy to be here, uh, talking to some of my favorite people right now. So, you know, I'm happy to be here. We're happy to have you on this. I don't want to call it a sensitive topic because I want this to be a very normal conversation. I want this to be normalized in our communities. So a very important topic, I would say that. Right, right. Absolutely. So we're definitely looking at how, again, the past, the things we've been through in our past, specifically the traumatic things we've been through, distressing or disturbing things we've been through in our past, affect who we are today. So before we dive into that, Steve, just tell us a little bit you said you're in Austin. Tell us about, you know, where you're from. Um, tell us about what you do day to day. And then dive into, you know, how you grew up. Awesome, man. Well, uh, I'm from a small town outside of Aiken, South Carolina, called Ward, South Carolina. It's on the Carolina side of Augusta, Georgia. So right across the Savannah River. Very small town. It's in Saluda County. So, you know, very country to say the least. Um, I mean, I grew up in a very good I said good period of time, in my opinion. I'm pretty sure y'all can agree. You know, we were able to go outside and play, you know, interact. We were able to eat baked goods in school. You know, <laughs> people's mamas and grandmamas can cook, and, well, you know, we can enjoy that. And, you know, it was just a great time. And, you know, I was, you know, very, very blessed at a young age to be able to, you know, be raised by a lot of, you know, wise people, you know, well beyond their years, even though they were, you know, up there. But, you know, for the first 13 years of my life, you know, I was able to spend every day with my great grandmother. And yeah. not a lot of people can say that. And, you know, she, you know, put a lot into me uh, and not only me, but my cousins, my brothers. Uh, so, you know, that's definitely something that, uh, in my opinion, really helped motivate me. And, and not only that, but just the people that I grew up around, my coaches, uh, people I played ball with, uh, you know, my classmates, uh, mm -hmm. I just really felt as if that, that helped molded me and, you know, my mom and my dad, you know, they're very hardworking and you really, that instilled in me being, you know, driven and, and, and wanting to see more. And, you know, I knew that my mom, you know, she sacrificed a lot for me as well as my dad. Um, I know that they had their differences, but they still made it happen. And, you know, again, I know that's something that is not common, um, you know, even back then or in today's relationships, but, 
you know, I can definitely say that, you know, they did what it took to, you know, help raise me. And that's something I'm very, very happy about. Something I thank them about for sure. Uh, I know that uh, really um, just seeing a lot, in my opinion, I was very observant. Mm -hmm. Uh, So seeing a lot, not only what happened to myself, but to my mom, my dad, my brother, there's very um, movie-like events in my life that I can still vividly remember that like triggers like certain emotions in me. So like every time like something good happened in my life, I kind of revert back to those moments because I understand kind of where I came from. And not only that, you know, it kind of always teaches me that, you know, no matter what, you can always get up and not necessarily things that happened to me, but things that I witnessed through people that I admire. And those are my parents primarily as well as my brother. So amazing. But you said something, you said movie like mm-hmm. events that happen in your yeah. life. And I feel like knowing you, you're very transparent and and you acknowledge I know a lot of people think the word trauma is just such a terrible word, but you acknowledge the traumatic ways that you were raised that affected you in your business, in the way you move corporately, the way you move as a man and the things that you want out of life. But very little people acknowledge those same events, those same upbringings, those same things that instilled in you, you know, your motivation to how they relate to the your relationships, like the women you deal with, the things you tolerate in a relationship. Very, like, you hear celebrities all the time. They reflect on what they went through and how it affects their, this is why I grind so hard. And you grind very hard. I don't want to ever forget where I come from. And you do that. You don't forget. But how often do we relate that to this is the type of woman I'm looking for? This is why I work so hard because I want a household that I don't want my kids to go grow up with my their great grandmother. I want them to know her, right. but I don't want them raised by their grandma. You know, we came from a different time where it's like your grandma could raise you and no one ever registered. It's because mom and dad was they're too busy. They got to grind. Like that's still traumatic. So how does you thinking about those same events like right now reflect on the type of women you dated, the type of things in the relationship that you look for? Straight to Well, no, that's a great question for sure. Um, I had like a three hour long conversation with my mom on Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, not this Sunday, but I think the last Sunday um, before that. But uh, we talked about a lot and, you know, my great-grandmother to her, uh, it was kind of like the same thing. And I know we're going to get into cycles a little bit where my my mom spent every day with my great-grandma. So it was at one point in my mom's life where she called my great-grandma her mom and called my grandma by her first name. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was just one of those things where my grandma had to go to work and she had to grind. And, you know, my mom's dad wasn't there. He was in Aiken raising another uh, family at the time. Uh, so it was just one of those things where it was just kind of the same thing. But in terms of how it correlates to women, my mom, she always used to tell me when my when my uh, nanny, uh, that's what I call my great-grandmother, when she used to bring a man around her, uh, she used to have like an instant review like as soon as he left. Like you need to keep him around or uh, you need to, uh, you know, you know, just cut him loose. And from my dad, she always says that, oh man, your dad had her food. <laughs> and it's hilarious, you know, and it's just funny just to look back on that, and, you know, just kind of 
hear about, you know, kind of how it was, you know, created in a sense and kind of mm-hmm. how it came about. But like in terms of how that makes me, you know, kind of look at women, I was raised by, you know, multiple Southern black women. So it's one of those things where I don't necessarily expect for you to, to cook or clean for me every day because I know how to do that for myself. I don't expect for you to, you know, have to push me to do things because I know how to do that for myself. But in the same sense, you know, I expect some level of respect from you, not necessarily in the sense of that I'm better than you, but, you know, this is a partnership and everything that we do is for the betterment, not only for ourselves as individuals or as a couple, but for the future of our family. And in my opinion, that's one thing that I do look for in a significant other in the sense of, you know, what type of family do you come from? You know, uh, you know, do does your mom have the same values as your grandma? If, if if that's your your mother's mom, or or does your father have the same values as her? If, if that's her parent, because it's one of those things where I do look for family bonds in the sense of that. Now I do understand there's situations where people move and people create their own family lineage and their own family family trees, which you know by all means you know that's that's awesome. Uh, but it's just one of those things for me where I, I just look for tradition because in my in my opinion that was that was something in my life that I had a lot. But so, you know, um, so because you had it a lot, you don't feel like it's due to um, wanting that lineage. Like I don't want this to be interview style at all, but like because for me personally, being right, first generation yeah. immigrants, I love families. Like I'm very close mm-hmm. to my family and. I would like I used to want to like I would love to marry into a family that's just like, oh, Sunday dinners, traditions, 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 because that's something that I like wanted so badly. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. in that sense, you're trying to repeat a cycle. You feel like it's something that although you had a lot of traditions, you also didn't have that intimate setting of mom, dad in the same household. In a sense, yes and no, because my dad, he would still come around. Um, you know, he was very respectful. Um, you know, he would still come around and help my great-grandmother or my grandmother if they needed anything. Even if him or my mom were beeping to a T, he would make sure I was good. Um, you know, I'm not saying my dad, you know, was the best figure for myself, uh, but, you know, he had to grow. You know, he had to learn. And, you know, I have a little brother now. Uh, he's he's about to be five, and you know my dad he's doing an amazing job with him. So I feel like it's one of those things that no matter what was going on, I was able to just observe and take the good from things. So in my opinion, to answer your question, I'm taking the good from both the experience I had growing up while my elders was around, and experience that I had growing up when they you know wasn't around, you know when they passed. Um, just because I felt like I learned a lot, you know, even after then, uh, I remember one of my uncles told me, you know, after my great grandmother passed that, you know, I was 13 years old and, you know, he was just telling me, you know, you really about to learn a lot about yourself because, you know, back then you had people kind of directing you, kind of just kind of letting you know and affirming you that, you know, Hey, you're doing good. Um, and that's probably why. Um, you know, words of affirmation is one of my top two love languages because I heard it a lot as a kid. Um, but it's just one of those things where um, I, I don't know. I just think that that just played a major part in 
who I became because I just I just feel like I do a really good job taking the good out of every situation. I, I don't know why. I can agree. I feel like like for Brian, I'm I'm talking to you because for us, Luminar. <laughs> <laughs> Mario, what up? Hi. I feel <laughs> like people take trauma and either repeat it mm-hmm. because they don't recognize that it's trauma. Yeah. People take trauma and want to do the opposite of it very, very hard. Or people take trauma and want to take bits and pieces to not repeat it, and then you end up repeating it in certain ways. I'm not saying that you're repeating it, but like when we talk about you both have been surrounded by strong women, strong black women. A lot of men have been raised by mostly women, a lot of black men, yet they still drop the ball in the intimacy and romance aspect because you don't see that with your mom and your grandma. No matter who you was raised with, you're going to learn respect. You're going to, oh, you could treat a woman right. But because that variable was not transparent to a child, you're not going to see that. So like, how have you, y'all struggled with the aspect of you're constantly surrounded by women. You So you think you got it in on women. But you, all you have is don't beat her and respect her, don't cheat, like that aspect. But you still don't know the romance, like, because a man has to teach you that. Not like has to teach you, but you have to observe it from a man perspective. Yeah, I think I think overall living in that ignorance is kind of the top thing being hard on yourself. So as growing up as a man, you um, I'm not going to say you want to be perfect. I mean, yeah, you want to be perfect because... You know, you want to be that image and that representation of what your grandmother or your mother or your sister um, raised you to be, signed you up to be. And so second, I think one thing me and Steve have in common is when he mentioned like how we grew up, you know, whether it be the baked goods, whether it be the playing outside, another aspect was like music, was like the culture. Mm -hmm. Um, Us as young men leaning on the things we saw and the things we listened to and finding a home in that, and finding a structure in that, and finding a belief in that, and more so a path in that to become who we strive to be, you know, who we really want to be. And one thing with Steve, what, what you've been mentioning is how you've been able to develop a mindset to take the good from those stumps, to take the good from those lessons. You've been able to successfully continue to take those trials and those questions or those moments of, uh, what we've been calling stress, which we have normalized, our feelings, we have normalized it. Yeah. But you've been able to take the good from that. So, what I like to ask you is, if you can go back to one of those lessons, even though you've learned from it, what's a way? What like what happened to a point to where you learned from it? So you told us the good. We know you're a good guy. But what's something that happened that had that pushed you to have to be the good guy that you are today? Um, it's a lot. Uh, I, I really don't know where to start just because, um, and really kind of before I dive into it, it's just one of those things where the people that I'm about to talk about, I admire them so much uh, just because I've seen what they went through. Um, you know, uh, my, my, my big brother, he... You know, he lost his father when he was very young. Um, my mom had him when she was 21. My mom had me when she was 29. 
so eight years of experience there. So boom. Um, you know, and my dad was around. So my his dad was around to a T, but he still lost his dad at a young age. So it's one of those things where I just kind of saw how this affected him throughout his life. And I don't make excuses for people at all. Um, you know, I, and even with him, I talk to him all the time about being accountable and, you know, really accepting faults and mistakes and moving forward from it and progressing from it. And I also try to help him the best way I can. Uh, you know, but, you know, there's just things that, you know, really, you know, just kind of trigger, you know, just kind of different situations, you know, that have happened and just kind of, you know, how my mom raised him versus how she raised me. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, you know, it's completely different. It's something I, I told them both. It's something that I talked to them both about. And I've acknowledged it because I'm not necessarily trying to seem like holier than thou or better than anybody because, you know, that's not my, you know, that's not my angle there. It's never been. Um, but just kind of seeing, you know, things that he's going through, uh, it, it really motivated me, um, you know, and, you know, he's done, you know, he's done some jail time, you know, he's done some things that I know he's not proud of and he's made mistakes for, but it was one of those things where, you know, like when he was locked up, I felt locked up too. And I feel like with traumas in life and traumas with families, it's not just you going through it, it's everybody going through it. Mm -hmm. And everybody has their own effects from it. And, you know, man, we was talking today, um, you know, just about some of the things that, you know, he was kind of going through, you know, um, you know, having cellmates that are, you know, just kind of, um, you know, going through cold turkey from not being able to have access to different narcotics and different things like that. And, you know, having to go through, you know, different things that's on the outside. And, you know, during my high school years, you know, he's having to listen to, you know, some of my football games. And, you know, basketball games on the radio and, you know, not really being able to attend that. So, you know, I know that that affected him in a way that I know that he always wanted to make up for that. And I've always known that effort for him. And, you know, it's just one of the things I admire because he, he's never given up. He's never given up at all uh, mm-hmm. for anything. And I feel like that's something I have particularly taken in terms of an example of that because, you know, everything can always be worse. I feel like I've been blessed. Um, just with everything that I went through in, you know, college, um, you know, my senior year, um, you know, even throughout my career, you know, moving from Columbia to um, Providence, Rhode Island, from Providence to Dallas, from Dallas to Austin. Uh, so, you know, you know, hopefully that kind of answered your question there. It's, I feel like it did. I'm going to dive a little bit more into relationships, though. Love. Okay. And okay. Let's love. do it. Let's do it. <laughs> and the way you love, whether it's a significant other or your friend, love, love is, you know. I'm going to be right now. <laughs> I think even what you just said might even go into what she what she about to hit you with. Because you said a lot that definitely describes uh, why you are how you are today. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm not even going to just, you know, ask. But like for me personally, my love story starts with trauma with the things that I don't want repeated. I don't have this fantasy of what it should look like, but I'm constantly with what it should not look like. Um, whether it's, I come from a two-parent household, but not in the terms that in America you say two-parent household. 
Like if my family was American, it would not be a two parent household type of, you know, like culturally there's a huge difference in that. So I, my love story starts with seeking affection, validation, um, needing that constantly because that's not something I get. That's not something that we grew up seeing. So it's not like I didn't, I didn't even know I lacked it. It was one of those situations where it's just like, mm, my man got to be able to do this for me. Got to be able to do that for me. Got to be able to do that for me. What took years to realize is, no, Ayat needs to be able to validate herself. Ayat needs to be able to pump herself up. And it took years for that. So what I want to say about like love and relationships, how you are in a relationship, like not just, oh, the type of woman, the checklist, how you are in a relationship. Like when I talk to Bryant, you're unpacking things daily about why am I so closed off? Why am I, you know, like there's so many different layers there. So within a relationship, like all traumas or all the checklists aside, why do you think you do the things you do? Like the things that trigger you think of one incident that you was just so hot headed. You was ready to end it all. That was bigger than it was like, Think about that. Like, what? How does your personal life trauma, your childhood trauma, drive that? So I, I got you on the example, but before that, I'm, I'm gonna set it up with a little, with a little sequel. <laughs> so after my mom and my dad split, um, you know, my mom and my dad, my parents, like back in the day, both very attractive people. Um, so you know, they definitely had their suitors and their suitees, if you will. Um, and it was one of those things where. I I had a chance to observe them both dating. And, uh-huh. you know, my mom dated, you know, a few guys and my dad dated, you know, a few women. And, you know, I'm thankful that I've had a chance to experience that because, you know, it showed me how mature, you know, my parents could be uh, in terms of, quote unquote, people say being grown. We grown now, we grown now. People don't want to be grown, but the people want to be grown, but don't want to be grown when it's convenient for them. It's, it's crazy, but anyway, uh, it's one of those things where I had a chance to see that, and I stayed with my mom. My dad used to visit, so I feel like I was around my mom the most. Mm-hmm. And you know, my mom's an Aquarius, my dad's a Capricorn. Their birthdays are eight days apart. And one thing that I feel like I get both from them is I get bored of women very quickly. I don't know what's wrong, like. I guess with me in regards to that, but you have to be extremely special for me to want to continue to talk to you. And, you know, my homies now, they reached out to me, like, hey, man, how you like it, Austin? How you like it in this city? Have you met a new girl, blah, blah, blah? And it's like, no, one, because of quarantine, and two, because it's just one of those things where um, I feel like I'm a much more better person in life, much more colorful person in life and you're only going to get so many fashions on me on social media you know uh i only use my facebook to keep up with family uh, business stuff etc twitter i'm much more personal on there instagram i only post stuff uh really experiencing things i do because honestly i mean i'm still amazed at things that happen to me in life even i can't believe it sometimes so i want to document it that's really just legit how what i use each of those social media sites for but, I mean, I just feel like I get bored of women, and I don't necessarily say I seek some form of profession, but any little thing can aggravate me. Like, for example, like with my ex, 
Hold on, hold on. Why do you think you get bored from women easily? Um, I think it's one of those things where my Leo personality kicks in in the sense of not necessarily wanting to control everything, but you know, if it's not my way, hit the highway. If it's not anything I like, then I'm not necessarily going to be interested in it or show interest in it. Do you um, think just just a theory, just a theory here? Hey, just, hey, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Just touch on the fact that you've seen your parents date. You touched on the fact that when your your mom brought somebody or your great grandma's is like, no, drop them, leave them. Like having that mindset when you're dating, when they do something you don't like or you feel like, uh, lost interest next. Because you saw that fluidity, you know? You didn't see your parents. Right. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. So is that, is that a reason why you feel like you got bored from women easily? I feel like it, I feel like it plays a part of it because I feel like it's one of those things where that method, it works really well with friends. Like when I first moved to Dallas, mm -hmm. I, I hung out with people but it was one of those things where I kept them at arm's length. Like, I, you know, I can only trust you as far as I can throw you. There's things I still need to learn more about you before, like, you really like my homie like that. So it was one of those things where um, there was people I hung out with and just completely cut off and started hanging out with because either A, you didn't have my best interest, or B, you could do things that may or may not jeopardize what I have going on. And you might not move the way I move, you know, even when I'm rolling the dice and doing risky things. So it's just one of those things where I feel like that plays very well with friends. But to your point, could be a disadvantage when dating because, yeah. you know, people are like onions, like my boy Shrek. Like my boy Shrek said, no, no, did Donkey say that or Shrek? I don't, I don't know. I need, <laughs> I need to fact check on that. But, but, but people are like onions, you got to peel them back, you know, like. There's probably women I talk to now that's never met me in person that would never even scratch the surface of really who I am. One, because, you know, ain't nobody texting no paragraph. I don't, I don't feel like doing that. I really don't feel like doing that. I'm so glad you said that because, you know, someone in the comments definitely said they think this is common in guys because of social media and having access. So I 100% agree. You literally just said some women that you haven't met in person. You have access to more. So as soon as something's bore you, next. But mm -hmm. to Bryant as well, like, I feel like the way, I want y'all to dive into it too, but like the way trauma has affected how you move in love versus friendship. I talk to my homegirls about this all the time. Your friends can do stuff over and over again. And you won't correct them, for one. Because you feel like you're not intimate with them to that place. Like, oh, that's just them. Like, don't associate us. And on the flip side, to homegirls, your man could do so much wrong, you'll forgive him. But when your friend do one thing wrong, you cut him off. So, like, that, that idea that your trauma tells you, this is disloyalty. This is just a mistake. How does that work for y'all men? Like, for, I think for women, your trauma and your ideology of what a man's supposed to do, this is the mistake. Niggas make mistake every day. Your homegirl do it. Disloyal, like, cut off. What? Where's that same energy come from? 
for men. A lot, a lot of the, a lot of the Bryant. Take it. Cause you get bored with girls, but you ain't get bored with none of your homies. I've seen you have lifelong friends who, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. oh I gotta do the boom box on the boom box. Right. Do the homie. Do the homie. <laughs> Me, for me, I mean, my response to that, not even only getting bored or something like that. Like, I went, I went, I went majority of my life, like, not even believing in relationships in that, that form with a woman. Um, even though I had, I had, you know, women that were friends of mine, like, I went so long, like, telling girls straight up, like, I don't do titles. Like, you know, I don't do the titles thing. Like, all men went through that phase. Like, it was supposed yeah. to, it was supposed like, to be emotions. I, like, you're just supposed to move forward, you know what I'm saying? You're married when you know you're married. But um, for, for me, like just factual, actual, I've only called one person in my life my girlfriend, right? My whole life. Out of, out of, the, out of the bevy of women I've dealt with or had relations with, respectfully to say it that way, I've only called one my girlfriend. One I can be like, you know, this was mine, mine. You know, and looking back, you're asking like, I took it as looking back and saying, why was I unable to do that? Like, where's the yeah, disconnect? Where, where is where in your trauma? Because not throwing any shade, there's plenty of women that in their head you was a nigga. Yeah, yeah. So you, what what trauma had you so blocked that? No, you're not my girlfriend. You're not my girlfriend. We're going to do everything girlfriend and girlfriend do. No title. You're not my girlfriend. Because it did something for you. Like, why? Why Why was that the case? I mean, probably growing up, I don't even say with my father, but growing up in a single-parent household, growing up around the dudes I was around, and then music culture, pop culture. Mm. Um, while at the same time, as I got older, yeah, I can put it on those three things. Or have many things, just it, but... It's also on me because shoot, we diving into it. I don't really know the answer. I don't know what what was in me at that time to not be confident enough or serious enough or mature enough or self-aware enough or loving enough or caring enough to just man up at whatever age I was, whether it be 14, 18, 22, 25, to say, you know, I would like to 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 commit something to you. Not saying I'm committing my whole life. It was to a point where I was just like, look, man, I'm not committing nothing. Oh, that's just the homie. That's just the homie. But then on the flip side, there's plenty of women that struggle with because of trauma, titles hold so much weight. Because a lot of people don't want to be a baby mama. A lot of people don't want to be a baby daddy. They don't want to, they want the wife, the title, the girlfriend. Like because of trauma and not having that or not seeing that in their day-to-day -day life, they hold so much weight on it. You're 18 years old crying your eyes out because this little 19-year-old boy won't call you something that, because you, that you know, you seek validation in that. So that's why I'm asking on the flip side as a man, is it a control? Is that little bit of control giving you like your solidification that, you know, I'm not losing control. I'm, I'm the one that called the shots. I'm yeah, the man of this relationship. You know what I'm saying? You might have answered right there, but I think it's not even like us being in control. I think it's more so maintaining control. Like um, if, if I stay single or if I stay uncommitted, um, 
then, you know, I maintain control over my life, which is what we grew up and saw, which is what we grew up witnessed and, 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 and cherished. So on the flip, we can pass it to Steve, you can answer either way. On the flip, when you're in a relationship, it's then total opposite. It's like, if I give you me, you know, and I'm losing control, then man, that affection level, that that dedication, that um, that loyalty, got to be next level so i think it goes both ways with that a lot of times like and this is something i've been saying since high school and it's like you know i would say when like when white when white couples in high school dated like mm-hmm. going on a date was literally to get to know each other she did not have to prove herself worth self nothing it was just a quick courting versus when we dated in our community it was like we were texting investing I need to know she worth this Sonic slushy before I step outside and people see us together. I need to know, like, and and to me, all that trauma drives that—that that you're so scared that something is going to be attached to you. Your name is like they would literally like, and this is high school. They would literally be like, "Hey, we should go grab something to eat" before they even exchange numbers. Versus over here, it was like outside of social, economic, and money and stuff. It was just like. I need to know for people to see me out with this girl. Like, that is trauma-driven. But I'm going to play devil's advocate. Not devil's advocate, but I'm also play the role of they also, like, writing letters and telling each other that I love you, like, two days after they were boyfriend, girlfriend. So, like I say, it's, it's both sides, and it can affect but, on both sides. But you know what? Let's jump into that. When we talk about love, I could love a homie within two weeks. I've met roommates in college and loved them and had loyalty for them before yeah. homecoming in November. But you'd be crazy out your mind to tell a girl you love her in two months. Man, I'm just saying for them, maybe that girl didn't take it the way the girl <laughs> that I that I was attracted to. Maybe but they took it. Like, maybe that's supposed like, to be like a hello, but 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 you feel like because of trauma, it's taken that seriously because you hold so much weight on it. Definitely. Definitely. Now when you say it, I'm holding it to an upper, like, oh my God, I have, like, it's serious. Versus, again, I talk to my friends about this all the time. We literally say, I love you, girl. You love your homies. You start looking out for them. Y'all move in, what, August? Random roommates? It's, it's scary. You, you said it's serious. I think it's scary. I think it's scary. About, at that point in time in my life, I thought it was scary to just tell people I love you. I think it's really dope that whether it be ATL culture or whatever, Will everybody be like, I love you? They use all the hearts, you know, um, you know, slime, man. What's this twin joint? You know, twin, we go, you know, I take whatever they say. My yeah, twin. man. These young all kids that. out here these days, these whippersnappers. Like, like, those, maybe the generation now, the high school kids, college kids, maybe they throwing the love you out there um, real quick. But what, when I, what I'm trying to say is, our generation had, I don't want to say their life is not as traumatic. Our generation had the most, um, I still don't want to say the most because it's not statistically, but we had a lot of trauma pertaining to love and relationships and family. And we were, had, we were the generation where, again, hip hop was completely anti-love and relationships. Now it's not. So because of trauma, we were scared to say, I love you. Now it's normalized, right? That feeling never is not a new feeling. Like it's almost like they're giving people flowers while they're still living situation. Mm-hmm. 
you're saying scared, all this stuff. That's all because of trauma, like the seriousness. You got to think about this. Mamas used to bring men around. This is my friend. That ain't your friend, sis. Say what it is. Like, say what it is. Now I you got your son up calling that the girl he laying with. That's right, just my friend. Right. Like, but no, you, because you're... I didn't even catch wrong, but I do appreciate the fact that, like, my mom and my dad, they really told me, like, it was, you know, I was like, yo, we dating now. And Stormy wanted to say, hey. What's up, Stormy? She had to pop in the camera. Did Stormy music, volume but, one, on the way. But that's what I'm saying. Like, that whole friend that also causes some sort of trauma that, you know, like, I know the word trauma is big, but it's, it creates mm-hmm. some sort of normalcy. That's what it is. It creates normalcy in your behavior. For it me, does. it was. Go ahead, Brian. Well, well, I got a question. For me, follow up. Yeah. Go ahead. For me, it was one of those things where I said I love you to my homeboys and some of my teammates. Like I went to war with, like whether it was on the football field, court, or playing baseball. Um, get down, boo. Get down, boo. There you go. And. Like, I'm right there, you with, right, man. She, hey, that's my dire wolf right there. She gonna, she's gonna protect me forever. But, but now, um, you know, as far as like women, like I told like the women in my life, I love you. I was never afraid to do that at all. Um, you know, uh, even with my dad, uh, growing up, um, I like when I was a kid, I didn't call my dad dad, I called him by his first name, I called him Leon, and um. You know, it took me and him a while to kind of get to that point where, like, me and him told each other I love you. And that happened sooner than later with some of my other siblings, and it happened, you know, later with others. And, you know, it again, just had its own process and God's timing. Uh, but, nah, I feel like I was really never afraid to say that at all because my I feel but like, my, again, my... What was that? That's my... It became a big ceremony. Like, I'm going to tell her I love her today. It, it's like, it's not oh, natural. Yeah. Grow up in that. Like, that's, even if you said it, it was like, oh, I'm going to tell that girl. Oh, he said I love you. Like, you know what I'm saying? It became a thing. I told one girl I loved you in high school, for sure. I still love her to this day. She knows who she is, for sure. I don't got to say her name, but she knows, for sure. Um, I told one girl that in high school. In college, I told two girls that. no. Well, two girls that I dated, I told them that. Uh, but like, like I know in college, I told you that I got. Um, but I'm saying, I told her that. Why do you keep tabs of how many friends you actually love? I think there's a disconnect between the feeling of love and the statement of love. Because loving someone is you don't want nothing bad to happen to them. I might have told. I might have told one, maybe two. Your whole life. Girls in my life, I love you. That's real. That's but that's real. what I'm saying. But you felt it. Because love is so easy to feel. Love is when you care about them. Love is when you don't want nothing bad to happen to them. Love is all of those things. But as soon as it becomes attached to someone else, Tony said he only told it to one girl. You was too grown in age. Too I'm grown telling you, I'm throwing that second out. I'm throwing that second out because it might have been like a maybe on some like wild text type job. I don't know. I know one. I literally just talked to Menard about oh, this. No, I, I can't I think of it. But the disconnect, I, I, I gotta I before we get off this today, the disconnect between the feeling and the expressing it. 
is due to trauma because you feel it. Those people that you think I really, really like, you check on them every day. Those people, if something bad happens to, you love them. Simple. But the, the feeling it and expressing it, the reason there's a lack there is because of trauma. Because you, you love your friends for simpler things. So can trauma allow us to define love differently? Yeah, but... Was love regardless? Trauma, I feel like trauma... Like, uh, trauma makes you define love with a significant other differently. I feel like people who grew up hearing I love you all the time, hearing their parents say it to other people, hearing their parents yeah, say... Yeah, love us to it. They, 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 they use it loosely. Mm. I right. think people who felt like love had to be like final end all be all and you love and don't love somebody like the the, the fact that trauma has caused so many black men to think it is the end all be all like right tattoos can be removed in 2020 you can stop loving somebody like if you say it it don't mean like you're tattooed on somebody's forehead but y'all I think black men, what you're saying, right, but I also think we look at it as the beginning of it all, too. And we don't want to begin a lot of stuff. But I don't feel like yeah, we the don't. moment you say I love you is the beginning. It's definitely We're beginning. Here, we, we, hit people, we hit people with the, hey, man, let's go with the flow, man. And I know that's what I was on at an early age, for sure. And you, to a, a girl. That's my whole thing. You, say, you, yeah. feel it, you feel it way before you say it. Oh yeah, I will say out of the four girls I've told I love you too, I've cried over three out of the four of them. So that's 75%. So like I know like every time I said it, I felt it. No cap. So like I'm at another minute that okay. for sure. I, I like that you said that. I feel like black men say it when they are on level five of love. Right. When there's there's no trust you with a few things. You have yeah. to be you're by the time you say I love you, that person has the capability of breaking your heart. But there's you've loved them way more than that's not like that's that's not how you're supposed to be used. Love can be at entry level. If if you say so, I also think another Who aspect wants entry level love, bro. That's what I'm saying. So another, another aspect like that Bible belt church thing when they be talking about love, um love like, you have Jesus, like stuff like that. I think that also played a part on us. Um, which again, maybe a whole nother. We had added to our list, we'll talk about it after, but that may maybe a whole nother stressor to where it was like, okay, if I say I love you, it means you know, but then on the flip side, you're supposed to love that neighbor, you're supposed to love all of God's children. So there's levels of love, but by the time y'all express I love you, mm. niggas be deep, y'all be in love by the time y'all express it. Why is this like Tyrese Gibson, man? It'd be yeah. like y'all be deep. Good way to be. Y'all be right. that deep. That's, that's but that's not even the case. There was there was love way before then. We got so many points we gotta hit. Um Tony just hit in the um in the backstage chat. Telling a woman you love her um gives a well telling a woman you love her gives control, gives her control over you, um, but not in a bad way. And I, I think I don't even have to look at Steve to be like, do you agree with that? Because again, you know that's gonna be the first thing I agree with. <laughs> when, we talk about, when we talk about trauma, the first. <laughs> when we talk about trauma, Drake. like we started with, it's still we want to maintain control of ourselves and who we are. Um, so, I'm, if you got any more questions for Steve, I definitely want to get this. I want to pivot real quick, Steve. I got to ask you this: 
You mentioned four girls. You told that you love them, right? Shout out to the seventy five percent you cried over. I, I want to know. They shoot. They shooting great from the field. I want to know the first one you cried over. What's the the, the most traumatic, stressful, um, heart wrenching event that happened with her? Like. What that you remember from that relationship? What's something that happened that really shook you and like you don't even, you can't even not remember it? You gotta you really like you might even broke up with after that. Like tell tell us a story about that. Or if it's not the first, second, third, or fourth, but I need a story that's based off of like someone really shaking you up. And be- I feel like you shook me up for the better. I'm going to be as specific as I can without using names. I'm giving y'all Drake hands right now. Listen, listen. We know you learned from it. We want to go back to before you learned from it. Like, in the moment. Describe that moment when it happened, how you felt, how you reacted, why you think she did it. Like, go deep into that. Like, think about, again, be broad. Be as specific as possible. Be broad. Before it became a life lesson. You, you helping somebody because a lot of things I've been through, me, even me and my fiance have been through, we look back and as emotional as we were about it, we were able to learn from it. But in that moment, we knew that something from our past or something that we felt or something about us, whatever misunderstanding is what made us feel that type of way. Mm-hmm. So what's something that happened that made you feel the most type of way in one of your relationships? I don't know. I have like two two events. They like, they're competing oh. for, for which one I should tell. Um, but now like, you know, when I was in college, I had a long distance relationship, man. And, you know, back in the day, um, you know, I really didn't have a lot of money like that. You know, I was working at Sherman Williams, you know, a little paint store, Forest Drive, um, not too far from China Kitchen. Shout out to China Kitchen. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I didn't really have a lot, but, you know, I used to rent cars to go down there. I took a train down there. I flew down there. Your boy was, you know, uh, a conquistador just in terms of just trying to make sure that, you know, my love is being felt and everything that I wanted the relationship to be at the time was there. Uh, but we came from two different backgrounds in a sense. Like I felt like her parents actually mirrored my background more than her own. They were definitely um, well off and I have nothing bad to say about them at all just because I mean they're a great family but it was just one of those things where uh, I don't know I just kind of heard you know kind of through the grapevine of rumors that you know she was saying that you know I wasn't on her level and I don't know if it was in a sense of like mentality Mm. a sense of um, where I was financially where I was just kind of where I was going in life but just kind of hearing that, you know, that's something that I really didn't like at all. You heard um, it from like your friends. You heard it from like your friends or like her friends or how did you hear that? I heard that kind of through her friends because, like, I mean, at the time, like, her friends went to school at our school when we were there. So Black USC is but it's big. <laughs> so I mean, it's one of those things where I mean, people are gonna hear things and. You know, I actually had people like unsolicited, like DM me, like, yo, blah, 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 like DM me. Like I had like multiple people try to like, you know, 
derail me from that. You know, I've had most people tell me that, you know, she may have cheated on me before with people I went to school with, you know, I went to our school, um, you know, but it was one of those things where I didn't hold against her, but in the moment, like, I was just super motivated to really just get above my situation and really conquer. Um, you know, my senior year of college, I was homeless. I was jumping couch to couch, uh, you know, whether it was at, you know, my homegirl Tiffany Clark's house, uh, my boy Butch and Brandon's house. Right, man. You know, anywhere I could lay my head, I was good. Uh, so without them, I wouldn't be where I am today at all. But it was one of those things where the adversity, like I was feeling, was nothing compared to how that hurt me. And I knew that that was nothing and I was going to be okay. But in the same sense, the way I reacted at the time, in my opinion, is something that I wasn't proud of. Because we were off and on, um, you know, I cheated on her. I slept with girls at both my school and her school. Um, so it's not things that I was necessarily proud of, but at the time, you know, things that felt right. And I mean, you know, look at me, you know, I'm a young, you know, African-American, you know, man growing up, you know, not really seeing a lot, you know girls throwing it at me, and I'm not saying I'm catching everything that's being thrown at me, but if it's something that I like, I might take it out of the yard like my boy Randy Moss on the sled. So it's just one of those things where uh, I just I just took advantage of that. And now I try to withhold what I take advantage of because I understand that people have ulterior motives with me. One of my, my best friends, Aaron Henderson, he tells me a lot that he feels if girls are only interested in me based off of making up these fantasy realities and or false realities in their head based off of what they see from me on social media and what could be from that. Um, so, you know, I understand people have ulterior motives and I really do take that, you know, to heart. And not saying that, you know, the person that I, I talked about previously did have ulterior motives with me. It's just one of those things, whereas... I see that people value different things in a person um, higher than others, in a sense. And whenever I do begin to understand what people do prioritize um, higher than others, that's when I begin to really evaluate a person. Because here I am moving to these new cities, and the first people, the first question that people are asking me are, you know, what do you do? And I really don't like that question at all. Like, I have a great job. I have a great career. I'm proud of my career. I'm proud of my success. But I really do not like that question. Like, I'm from the country. I grew up on a dirt road. I like outside stuff. I like playing Madden. I like music. I like traveling. I like different things like that. Like, ask me about what I like. You know, not saying that what I do is what I'm, I'm I'm very passionate about what I do. But it's just one of those things where what I, I, I do now in terms of, how I reacted to that situation, it makes me really take my time in evaluating a person. So when I let you in, I'm gonna let you in. And, and you know, I'm I'm you know in the in the trenches right, from right. there. Same like you read. You got you on what you got. What was that? You were breaking up a little a little bit, my guy. My bad. Yeah, it seems like you ready. Do you got you got something to counter that? I only had one question with that experience. Do you feel like now that a that does that mixed with your childhood puts a better picture on why you grind so hard? 
point blank period. It does. So putting that into perspective is just the this or that. Which hurt more, the cheating or the hearing that she wasn't good enough on or on someone's caliber? Which one put the fire up under your ass like you were ne- no one ever is going to be able to say this shit to me again or do this to me again? Definitely the latter um, in terms of not being good enough because like my, like my boy, the meme that's going around from the last dance, my boy Isaiah Thomas, I had I met the criteria, but yet <laughs> I was not chosen. <laughs> So, like, that's just kind of how I feel about that in a sense. And I don't necessarily feel the same way, but I'm just super motivated because, like, I know who I am. You know, I have people that treat my family differently back home just because of who I am now. And although that is freaky to hear, I'm not in the league. I'm not in the NBA. You know, I'm not doing anything like that. I'm just out here, you know, trying to lay low, make my money, invest in my stocks, you know, praise God and mind my business. That's really what I'm trying to do. So it's just one of those things where I know that other people are starting to look at me differently. And I don't want, I just want people to just know that, like, I'm always going to be the same, Steve. Like, I'm always that same kid, you know, and the women that I do meet, like, I don't want, I, I really don't, and it's crazy. We talking about it. We're talking about trauma. I, I, I've talked to a few people about that randomly. But the woman that I do meet, I don't necessarily want to meet like who you are now. I want to meet like who you were. I want to meet where you came from. I want to meet where you're going. I want to meet who you are now because that can be a facade. That can be something you saw in a magazine. That can be something you saw on Twitter. That can be something your homegirl told you to do in a group test. I ain't. I'm like. I'm not. Like. I'm like. I want to. Like, I want to know you, and I feel like that's barring me in, in terms of really being able to meet women now because I get bored of texting paragraphs quickly. And, you know, and, and I will say there's been a few women I've actually have really been attracted to and really been on that level with, but it's been, a you know, timing, um, you know. And, and that's something I do respect because I'm, if I'm still involved with somebody else, I'm, I don't want to bring anybody else into the picture uh, just because that karma is too real. I, I felt that once. I don't want to feel it again. So. All right. So, so to bring everything full circle, uh, appreciate your honesty throughout this, you know, um, this conversation. But when we talk about your love story started with trauma, we've discussed where you come from, what you've been through. Um, we've tapped into some things that have had an effect that that distress your life. And so specifically talking about that relationship, right? You may or may not know the answer to this, but what made you, what made you rent a car, take the train? What made you dedicate yourself to that person so much, even though in the background, something else was possibly going on? What made you be that person? Honestly, man, kind of bring it back full circle. I think it was just really escaping the reality of the problem that I was experiencing at the time or either in my past. And like the very first time I kind of I went down there and me and her kid it hard. And my boy TP with me, my, my boy Terrence Parson was with me, man. We drove down there and um we we had an amazing weekend. Great weekend. And like right before I left, me and her like boohoo like babies. Like, we boohoo like, for a good 45 minutes. And it was crazy. And, you know, 
you know, I even definitely cried a little bit, you know, even on the drive back because, I mean, it was like a six and some change drive back to Columbia um, from where I was going. So, I mean, from where I was coming from. So it was just one of those things where, you know, I, I just felt like even though I was crying because I was missing her, I was crying because I was going back to my reality of, trying to figure out how to make it out of South Carolina and trying to figure out how to better my life. And although I was in a really great position, I was going to a great school, I had really good people in my corner, it was just one of those things where I felt as if um was an escape for me. So, I mean, I thank her to this day. Like, you know, I appreciate that. And, I, again, I had nothing bad to say about her. You know, she's in a relationship now. She's happy. I'm thankful about that. You know, I'm still, you know, in communication with some of her family and, you know, I pray for them. I know there's nothing bad upon them. So it was just one of those things where I just look back on that that time as, you know, just uh, a, a, a really good development time for me. I even said to her, like, I felt like the years was away okay. just in terms of dating her. It very but knowing her, I felt was beneficial. Hmm? It was I was saying it's almost eye-opening and it expands a horizon and broadens it a little bit more. So like you just said, although all this stuff was happening, I still went to go visit because it was an escape for me. Right, so that's, right, right. That's and a great way to wrapping it up. It was an escape. Not her was an escape. Not she was an escape. But that whole leaving well, Columbia to go there, that those intimate right. moments of fairy tale living were an escape. Mm-hmm. And she probably felt the same way too, you know, just because although I was coming to her, you know, it was just one of those things where, you know, she was meeting somebody like me, not necessarily for the first time, but really connecting with, yeah. in my opinion, you know, a genuine individual. And she, you know, she acknowledges that for sure. So, you know, I, I agree, you know, and I felt that even in the future with different relationships. So, you know, it's just one of those things where now, I don't try to be as destination driven. Hey, get down, baby. Go get down. It was just one of those things where um, I've I've tried to become less destination driven because I've had destinations in my head. I feel like now I'm like .001 destination driven. I'm more concerned with just being happy with every day and whatever happens to me happens to me, and I'm going to be okay no matter what. So. Well, I, I hope you continue continue to excel uh, no matter who you meet in your life. I like your theory of, you know, I want to know who you were and, like, the idea of where you're going. I like that. But also be sure to, to let in the present, too. Um, you're, you're very intelligent. You've experienced a lot. You've learned a lot. And I, I applaud you. And we're friends because of those lessons that you you can spew out easily. You just don't even have to yeah, ask sure. you. So, so definitely continue to take people in for face value, um, and you you you'll know at the gate if it's for you. And I think that'll separate um, the love, whether it be a friend or a significant other or somebody you work with, whatever. You can you can tell at the gate. You being Steve Gant, you can tell at the gate if if it's real. For sure. So we thank you for being here for sure and being transparent because yeah, we got a lot of trauma. And we yep. and honestly, I think yeah. a lot of unpacking on what we just want to do and what society and what's really trauma driven. But this definitely started a 
a good conversation for us. So we thank you for being on the show. Hey, man, it's been an honor to, to be a part. Can't wait to tune in and see what other guests you guys might have on and how this conversation progresses. But, you know, hey, love you both. Thank you. Thank you. Love you, bro. Bye. All right. We're going to work on this. I love you, man. I hope so, man. Because you tapped in. I was out. I was ready, you know. I know Steve a little bit. I was ready to go in. And you went in on me. I'm like, dang, I don't even know the answer to that. So you really helped. You helped, you helped me think of, think of something I never thought of. I, I never even had the, the thought of who I told I love you or why I told him I love you. So that that's crazy. It's it's funny. I was just t- sharing with Menar. Um, in the beginning of my relationship, I went to, like, literally a few months into my relationship, my family went to Sudan for 40 days. And obviously the relationship was all via text. Eight hour difference. So it'd be up, he'd be up, I'd be asleep or stay up, whatever the case may be. But I think that's when feelings were became very intense. And it sounds really childish, but like I'm guilty of it too. Like I was coming at child, but I'm guilty of it too. I literally would say, I blank you and go to sleep because I can't do it via text. Like I'll tell you in person when I get back to South Carolina to, to the United States. But literally there's texts that say I blank you. That's Good wild. night. Literally, I blank you. Good night. That's crazy because now you're the one who like tells me the difference between saying I love you versus just love you. I remember you like love you, bye. No, no. We love chips. <laughs> I love cookies. Love ice cream. Yeah. But no, I as I got Solomon love you and want you to be good today. Like, who we we just gotta take away the trauma of why they hold so much weight. That we feel like the bag may run out if I pass it out too many times. Like, <laughs> but yeah, this love, is good. Love, love is definitely a serious topic. And I think the topics that we're going to proceed forward with, um, you can check out the website and check out the follow us on Instagram to see week to week what what topic as far as um or blank started with trauma, we're gonna dive into because um of the many major facets of our life have been affected by things that we May or may not recognize. In the same way, I had a moment tonight where I was like, "Hold up, I really don't know that." Our goal is for you yeah. to maybe clutch on to something that happened in your past, or things you were doing in your past, and recognize it. It's how related to who you are today. So, yes, and we'll continue to talk about love because love comes in different facets and um, shapes, forms, life, your career, all that stuff. So, I'm excited. Definitely tune in for the next few series. Next few series. So for this, for this, um, for this one, we got some art for life. You got some art for life. I do. I have a book that I just okay. finished, and as I was reading it, it brought a lot of emotions because I, the whole time I'm reading it, I'm like, you know, this is crazy. But it's called an American Marriage. Look, I have. I need to stop doing this. Okay, I'll post it, it later. American Mary. Yep. Tamar. Tayari Jones. Jones. And the fact that it's about a black man being wrongfully incarcerated, but it doesn't dive into that aspect. It dives into how it affects his life and his personal life and his love life. And 
as a black man within a woman and a black woman and how, you know, that plays out. I definitely think it's a great read because it definitely made me dive into a lot of aspects of my life. And what do we hold close and near to us? Like if something was taken, if the person you with right now gets locked up for 12 years, you okay? Is that's it for you? Like, you know, it definitely made me have a lot of personal conversations. So that's my book for you guys. Definitely check it out. Me, I got another song. I had to trim down because I want to give y'all albums, but I would I would probably give this full album later. But given the trauma we're talking about and when it comes to to love and our next topics, um, this song is a song called He Say She Say by Lupe Fiasco mm-hmm. off of Food and Liquor. Um, it's a song that breaks down the perspective of a young man growing up. Um, his relationship with his mother and uh, come from a perspective of um, not having a father and how it affects his classroom behavior and just his mentality in general growing up. Then another verse where it comes from the mother's perspective of how it affects her and how she raises her son. Um, and so that song in general, I think we had to put a, put together a soundtrack for this series. You know, it would definitely be one of the top songs as he say, she Say by Lupe Fiasco on his first uh, studio album, Lupe Fiasco's Food and Liquor. So uh, definitely check that out. Thank you guys for tuning in. Ooh, this is about to be. Yeah. I, have a, yeah. I, I went to a, I had a therapy session today. I have another session. Um, yeah, so, and this trauma conversation. Uh-huh. So it's triggering, but it's good triggering. I'm learning what my triggers are and how to deal with them. It is. Next week, make sure you come come at me. Whatever topic we announce, even though you know, we know it, come at me with something hard-hitting. I'm going to try to come at something with you so we can definitely get this introspective thing, too, alongside our guests each week. Yes, yes, we definitely need to. I was excited about that. Yeah, because, you know, we, we definitely still got to dive into your abandonment things, but we ain't had time for it. You know? Do we? Oh, just wait. Yeah. Next week, we got every week. (laughs) Next week is going to be really good. I definitely want to, um, and it's going to move a little bit more from like interview style. I just want to be able to just vent it out and ask these questions so we can relate more on that. I really have to go back. I'm too free with the I love yous, maybe. Shoot, maybe that's the problem. Just be passing it out. So, for you you to be anti Disney, love. But then say I can do I love you's crazy. That's oh, I, I do I love you like crazy because I just feel like you you love easily. Yeah. I think the yeah. mind to trick your emotions. Your mind trauma and not wanting to look stupid tricks you from saying things you already feel. Have you ever met somebody and you told them you love them and they felt like they was like what huh what you love me? Yeah, yeah. and then I'll be like, bro, it's not that deep. Okay, that was a friend though, probably. No, there's a guy. Just like it's not that deep. I like I you cannot you can't no, like for you, you mean to tell me the person you dealing with can something can happen to them and you're not gonna be crying at their funeral. That's how I see it. If I met you for two weeks and you die, if I if I'm gonna feel a void, miss you or cry at your funeral, then I love you. Versus void, miss you or cry at your funeral. That's the definition of okay. well, I like that definition. Yes, miss was heavy, so yeah, I, I know a lot of people. I would definitely miss, so yeah, but I, I definitely want to throw. That's just how I thought because I just felt like 
there's people you hear die and you go, damn, that's crazy. Or they just, you know, you're no longer fooled with. That's crazy. You don't know, love them. But there's someone who's in your everyday life. Someone in your everyday life, you love them. You don't want to give them that access, though. You just can't give away your access. You know what that's I'm saying? You gotta, that's the problem. You got to protect your access. Like Kiana Lady was saying, you, got, you need that protection. Like someone said this the other day, and it's about showing, being on Twitter. Um, point blank, whether you share the things that are going wrong in your life or you don't, they still going wrong. Whether I tell you, will I give you the access? You could break my heart whether I say I love you or not. Because I feel it already. You just don't want to be embarrassed. That's the problem. You don't you. That's the bar, man. You should be signed a TDE. You can only speak the truth. So I'm glad to have you up as a co-host. <laughs> I can't wait for next week. I can't wait for our combo tomorrow. Because I'm going to talk about oh, yeah, the show. Definitely call you tomorrow. Get all yeah, this can't wait for a combo tomorrow, but it's been a great May. Uh, we hope y'all enjoy it. Um, that's two months. I think that's two months. Episode eight. So we've been on this thing for two months. Proud One of you. Our, our next one. I'm proud of you, man. We talked about it for a while, and now we're here. Even once quarantine over, whether we lose the live aspect, whether we do whatever, we're going to continue to have these conversations um, publicly amongst each other and alongside our friends and people we value and people we want to hear from. And we're glad that a baby radio exists to be able to do that. For sure. Yeah. So be safe out here. We'll see you. <laughs> Episode nine next week. The trauma series continues. Trauma. That's what you're gonna that's that's it. Trauma. <laughs> trauma. That's how I end there.